Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Now notice that there are weights in our life that aren't necessarily sin. That's why it says, and the sin. But weights can become sin if we get distracted. And that's really what he's talking about here. And the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance. And that's a fruit of the Spirit. The race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, who for the joy. You know, we were talking the other day in a staff meeting, and one thing that I reminded them, we have to have the joy of the Lord. And when it seems tense or when it seems like, you know, our staff has been hit and hit and hit and it seems like a kind of a pileup effect in, in even some uh, memorial services. I actually had a family member that just passed away a couple weeks ago. But, you know, others who have lost mothers, fathers, different, and, and our heart goes out to them. But some, sometimes we have to remember our, our staff are human beings. You know, they're just not mechanical and coming to the church and, you know, how we respond to them and how we love on them and how we uh, pray for them means a lot. But one of the things that I reminded them is we have to do this with joy. And I have to remind myself that. But in all honesty, and I, I'm going to say this because if your boss doesn't come to you in joy, you be joyful and help him get some joy. I'm just saying. You know, it's going to help others be joyful if you will be joyful. Well, bless God, they're not being joyful around me, so I'm not going to be joyful around them. Well, how's that working out for you? How's that seed working out for you? See, we're supposed to plant seeds of compassion and answer things with joy. And sometimes our staff, you know, people are going through things, and we just want to be with them because we are their family. Sometimes people don't always respond the way that we want. And, and we're not correcting them because, frankly, they're not in leadership and they're not, uh, it's really not a place I think they're always able to receive. Yeah. So we just, uh, we, we just help them where they are, yeah. sometimes with a smile. <laughs> or, you know, we may not be able to do it that way. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So anyway, everything that we do is with joy. And it says there in verse 3, for consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. And you may have family members. You, you may have people that you work with. You may have your bosses or whoever. That, that maybe you just, they're always dogging me. They're always pressuring me. They're always, you know. I would just encourage you. In order to endure through that, you're going to have to show some joy. You're going to have to stir up the joy. Whether you've got to go in the bathroom, you know, that was my place when I was a waitress because it, it used to get heated. I mean, the staff back there running into one another trying to get their orders out because I was a waitress for quite a few years. And then, you know, the customers, it wasn't cooked good enough, you know, whatever. <laughs> or they left you a dollar and their bill was a hundred. I'm just saying. And what did I have to do? Well, bless God, if you are a good customer, maybe I'd do better. I probably would have got fired with that attitude. One of the things that my boss told me is, don't give them your opinion. Don't give them your attitude. And we've all been there, done that. Uh, this really isn't part of my sermon, but if you'll give this to me, is that all right? Because we'd like to put some, you know, anyway, some good meat stuff in there. Uh, but there are... 
Anyway, I was a little opinionated. And if a customer didn't like something, I'm like, I'm sorry, sir, I told him, and, and you know, should have been right. Excuse me. I didn't always say that, but I, sometimes. And my boss came to me and said, your opinion is not warranted. You be nice to the customers. If they're wrong, you just say, thank you, sir, I'll do what I can about that. Don't give them a rebuttal. Don't give them, this is, I'm just saying. Yeah. The customer is always right. So in that respect, we have to learn our responses. Are they with joy? Are they being sweet? There are things sometimes we do have to correct and what have you. If you are in a place, I, I was laying there last night and this was coming to me. I was like, no, no, Lord, I want to go there. I don't want to go there. I'm, but it's coming out. So here I'm going there. Uh, if you are in a place of leadership, if you are in a place of uh, authority, there are certain things you have to correct. There are certain things that you have to do. Um, sometimes people will, in front of others, correct Pastor Jay and I, sometimes so we have to correct publicly as well. That's not always a fun thing to do, but if I don't do that, then others will follow suit. You understand? But I've told the staff, you can't always do that. Be very careful. You'll probably just have to pull them you know, to the side and say, hey, that's, that's not right. Because what we can do publicly, you, you can't always do publicly. People will sometimes respond wrong. Okay? So there's, there's, I can do things in leadership if I do it sweet, if I do it with the right heart, if I do it with the right motive that sometimes our staff can't do or, or the leadership can't do. But at the same time, the leadership and the staff, they can come and sometimes be straight and say, hey, pastors are saying we got to do it this way and, and we just can't change that. But then they give them a smile. <laughs> or, you know, we can't do that. Sorry. You just can't go that way. But then give them a smile. And Pastor Jay and I do endeavor to do that. But if I miss it, please forgive me, okay? If I come across wrong, please forgive me. If, if I don't always say the right thing, please forgive me because I'm not always perfect in that either. Amen? But I think we've got to remember there is a reason for authority. And there's a reason for uh, the things that we do. There's a reason for being organized. There, it's not about organized Christianity. It's just about doing things right so that we can represent, represent God properly. And how many know that if we didn't have organization, people would come in here that wouldn't know where to sit, wouldn't have things. The sound system wouldn't be working properly. Oh, that's organized Christianity, Pastor Debbie. Not really. It's just wisdom. It's what any business would do. And how many know we are a business? First and foremost, we're the church, but this is a business. And we are supposed to run it with respect. Amen. 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 So consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself because people didn't always want to do it the way of the word. They didn't always want to go the way of the word lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. And, you know, I, I, will, I will say this. It, married couples, you can't always correct and, and, and control and try to get your spouse to do what you yourself ought to be doing. Yes. Just be an example. Yes. Be an example. And you, if you're able to sit down and be sweet and talk to them, say, hey, sweetie, because Pastor Jay and I do this. When you've heard uh, some of my stories about us. Uh, but... You, you sit down and you say, hey, I didn't like that tone of voice that you gave me. I, you know, 
this, I didn't, I didn't think you treated me right here, whether it be your spouse or, or that says that to you or you say that to your spouse. You ought to be able to sit down without, well, bless God, if you, if you treated me right, then I wouldn't have said that way, you know. So, um, because that's not going to work out for you so good. But if you can sit down in sweetness, and if you can sit down and say, honey, maybe you don't understand, but that just kind of, uh, that affects me. <laughs> The wrong way. Can, can, you, can, can you work on that for me? But then go to working on yourself. Pray for your spouse. So if we do things that way, then we're not always uh, causing a hornet's nest, so to speak. Amen? Yeah, you don't want to mess up that hornet's nest. But anyway, moving right along. Uh, we shouldn't have that in our homes. We, we ought to be able to be sweet to one another, be able to talk to one another about our needs. Hey, this would help me. But at the same time, if your spouse isn't going quick enough or making the changes that you think that to make, praying for them and then being an example of those things yourself will go a long ways. Well, that was all free. You have not resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord. And really that word chastening, uh, we've went over this before, but it bears repeating because we have new people continually. And it it means tutorage, education, training. Uh, It does mean instruction, nurturing. It is a discipline word. Okay, it's in the category of discipline. Discipline or correction. It is in that category, but at the same time, if we look at it as training for life, training for spiritual life, training for natural life, because it will help us to walk in this life and be pleasing first and foremost to who? The Lord. And then we can help one another. We can respond right. We can do things. And that's why we've got to be trained because many of us have been grown up, have grown up in a background that uh, not all... All of us were in dysfunctional families, okay? A little quietness. I was going to say Baptist church, but we're not a Baptist church, really. I love the Baptist, okay? A little quiet in here. All of us have, have grown up in homes that in one way or another were dysfunctional. And we've had to learn uh, to grow up. We've had to learn to make... And, and it's time to stop blaming our parents. We're going to have to walk in love with them. And we don't agree with everything they do. I mean, some things that parents did may, may have been horrific in your life. And so you've got to love them long distance. But love is the word. And whether or not you send them a note and say, hey, I forgive you and I love you. Maybe we can't talk face to face, but just know that. Because there have been some abuse situations and this and that, that you just can't be around that person, unfortunately. And that's horrific. But at the same time, I encourage you to walk in love. At the same time, even if you have to do it long distance, walk in love. Or if you do go visit family or what have you, I'm not saying it's always an abuse situation or what, but it it seems like a a fight or you you feel like you're being controlled or they're just correcting everything you said, I would just encourage you, don't stay long. (laughs) I mean, there, that's how you fix that. Don't stay all week long. Maybe you only stay a day. Maybe you take them out to dinner. Maybe you, you know, take them their Christmas presents and, and walk and love on them and that type of thing. Thank God, you know, I, I don't have family like that. But at the same time, 
there are situations that I'm around that sometimes I leave there and it's like, really? Did they say that? Really? Did they treat me that way? I'm just going to love them. And sometimes my flesh rose up and I probably said something I shouldn't have, but then I, I, I try to make it right. Always try to make it right. Even if I feel like somebody's in the wrong, even if I feel like their attitude is like that, like every time I see them, and this may be family, okay? Um, but we have to purpose in our heart joy. Stir up the joy. And there are things that really may get your gander. <laughs> there are things that, you know, like the hair is just rising up, and you just want to slap, you want to do, you know, you want to let it rip. I'm just saying. But if you just... Pull it down. <laughs> Go in the bathroom. That's a good place. I mean, I just, a lot of good things. Well, anyway, happened in the bathroom. <laughs> I was trying to wake some of you up. Okay. I thought I'd say that because I know I'd get some giggles out of that. But anyway, I'm, I, anyway, moving right along. You know what I'm talking about. I'm saying go into a place that's private. <laughs> okay. There's privacy in the bathroom, right? And you can stir yourself up and just start praising the Lord and worshiping the Lord. There was years ago, I've, I've told this story, but it, it is kind of funny. I used to go, I worked at Tippin's Pie and Pantry, and I was a waitress. And oh my goodness, there are times when I just went to the bathroom and say, thank you, Lord. I'm a person of love. Or if I was dealing with symptoms, you know, because it's, it's like my uh, people are running into you and other waitresses are sometimes calling your name, get out of my way, I gotta do this. Or, and, and you just wanna slap somebody. So that was kind of my refuge place. And I went in there one day because I was dealing with symptoms. Uh, a whole load of ba- bus tubs had fallen on my back and I was in pain. And it just came up immediately in my spirit. Now, you teach and preach, and we were also helping at the healing school and teaching services at the healing school at the time. That was my, my day job, but uh, we helped in the mornings. And I went in there, and I was like, thank you, Lord. By Jesus' stripes, I'm healed. Thank you, Lord. So every opportunity I got, because I was in so much pain, I would go in the bathroom, and there was one time I'm like, devil, you get out of here! And I heard the door fly open and somebody run out. I don't know if that was the devil. But I know he got off my back. Amen. I don't think that was the devil. So I kind of watched. It's like, I thought, you know, I thought I looked in there. <laughs> well, praise the Lord. They went home and said, she, told, she said I'm the devil. Anyway. Maybe they didn't come back to Chippen's Pie and Pantry anymore, but if they did, they would have been blessed. So in verse 5, and you have forgotten the exhortation, the exhortation. So we backed up a little bit, I understand that. But what does that word exhortation mean? Correction is our comfort. If we learn to love it, it will keep us safe from the ambushes. But if we repel it, then we are open game for the enemy's traps. And there's an exhortation to do so. There's an exhortation to every day. First and foremost, God, I need your training. I need your correction. I need your help. I am not perfect. 
And then if we will receive from the Lord, and Father, I just ask you, help me, rise up strong in me if I'm corrected by my boss or by my pastor or, or by leadership. You know, it gets to a place in leadership, they're really speaking for the pastor. And I understand sometimes leadership, hey, they're just like you. Maybe they're having a bad hair day too. So maybe it's not always coming across like you always, we're all people. You know, maybe they didn't wake up in the morning, hallelujah, and then, you know, prance into the church with a glow and a light in your meeting with them. I'm just saying, maybe they came in there, it's like, okay, let's talk about your helps ministry position. All right, you haven't been doing this right. Bless God, you need to do better. I mean, I don't think our staff does that. I, if, I, if they did, I'd uh, probably say something, you understand, we'd correct that. But I'm just saying, if that happened, what's going to be your response? Well, praise the Lord. I can do better. I can do better. Amen. I love you. (laughs) A little joy goes far. Amen. A little joy. But sometimes we expect people to be perfect, and we ourselves are not perfect. We expect people to respond 110% with Love and joy and comfort and exhortation. And we ourselves are operating at about 75%. You understand? I'm not confessing that over you. I'm just saying, can we understand that people are people? And when I go into a meeting and I maybe have to correct something, I'm not always starting out, okay, we got to deal with something here. Let me tell you, buddy, we're not doing it that way anymore. That's not going to happen. First of all, I'm going to find out what's going on in your life. How are you doing? How's the, you know, whatever. Dog treating you right? Whatever. Um, Not your husband. I'm talking to the dog. I didn't say that. I heard some of those thoughts. No. No. How's everything going? And, you know, and sometimes they open up and whatever. And it helps me to get into the door. and, And I just say, you know what? We just want you to know we love you. We care about you. We appreciate you. Now, there is a time when somebody's just causing problems that I'm not going to open up with all that. I'm just going to open up with this is how it's going around here. And we're not going to have that. Okay? We love you, but we're not going to have that. Still in the right attitude, but it's a little bit more stern. And parents, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, and some of them, they, they, they need a little bit more compassion, yeah. and others, they, they need a little bit more spanking yeah. Yeah. and directness. So yeah. we all know they're different personalities, and yeah. you've got to be, uh, and I don't know how I got off on that, but all of us, it's, it's responding. Yes. How do we respond? And we can help one another, we can help our spouses, we can help our, uh, our department leadership, we can help the pastors, we can help... Our, our CEOs, our, our, those who are in authority, uh, we can help them by responding with joy, praying for them, letting them know. And if something comes across rigid or strong, just let it roll off of our back like water off a duck's back. Yeah. Now, if somebody goes into the army, we all know that they are trying to break them. What are they trying to break them of? Wokeness. They are trying to break them of, you know, we need to give you a comfort room over here with a, a, you know, squishy animal or something like that, with a fuzzy blanket. How many know a sergeant is not going to do that? They're trying to break you of needing 
comfort in that way. We are not offering you a room of wokeness. We are not offering you a room of, here's a fuzzy blanket. But at the same time, I'm not a sergeant in the army. You know, a sergeant in the army cannot come home and treat his children the same as he did those young cadets. Why? Why? Because those young cadets are coming from different backgrounds and they just have to treat all of them the same and they, they let them know. It's, you may not make it through, but we've got to break you. Why? There's a reason. To the point where when you are in war and you are given an order, you're not thinking twice about, I need to go home to mommy. Or I need to go to my room and cry. I need a blanket. No. You're just doing what you have to do. There's a reason for that. Okay? So in one fashion, we're teaching people not to always have to have our comfort and always have to be encouraged and always have to, you know, we're just always bringing you along or we got a cry on our hands, so to speak. But at the same time, we are to love. We are to, to, to be an example of love and compassion and find out what's going on. So back in that, you know, that spiritual guidance meeting or counseling meeting, if somebody comes in and maybe they've been a problem in the church or whatever, I don't start out talking about the problem. I want to know what's going on in them. What's going on in you? What's happening? Okay? There's a time and a place for everything. Now, if I'm in the middle of a staff meeting and I have an issue like that, I'm not asking them what's going on with you. I'm saying, you know, shape up. Yeah. We're not doing that. We've got a meeting to tend to. Yeah. There are different, we've got to use wisdom yeah. in everything that we do. And why are you talking about that? It just, it just seemed to rise up in my heart that sometimes we go through the pileup effect. Yeah. And sometimes we want to throw in the towel. And sometimes we want to think, you know, if pastors just had a little more compassion. If, you know, if, if the staff just had a little more compassion. Oh, if Teresa just had a little more compassion. Maybe Teresa needs some compassion. Maybe she's been through a lot. Maybe she's had to look at people's face all day long. They didn't like what she, you know. And, and maybe I asked her to do things because I had to do other things. And so, so she had to deal with some hard tasks. Or any of our staff, for that matter. You know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. So in that respect, we're just teaching and training people that when you feel like giving up, when you feel like you can't take it anymore, when you feel like, you know, I, I can't do this for the boss anymore. I, I, I can't take this correction anymore. Just get in the word. Meditate on God's word. Start worshiping him. Thank him for strength. And I tell you what, you will be a different person for the day. Abraham gave glory to God. He was strengthened in his faith by giving glory. That's all it takes. Yes, my... It does. Oh, my goodness. Just in the morning, thank you, Lord. We worship you. And just taking a scripture that talks about his strength. What did Joshua... Tell them, let's go there. Is this all right? So let's go to Joshua 1. We all love this one. 
Joshua, of all people, could have thrown his hands up and like, oh my goodness, I don't want this ragtag group of people that were always giving Moses a problem. I mean, honestly, have you read all the chapters about what they did to Moses? Well, Joshua inherited that. And what did, what did God tell him? I will not leave you or forsake you. In other words, God's saying, Joshua, you got it. Because I won't leave you or forsake you. You can do this. You can rule with joy. With compassion. With help to the people that they need. Yes, there are times you're going to need to be bold. And you're, you're going to need to speak forth what I say to you. But don't, what? Don't look at their faces. Don't be moved by that. In verse 6, it says, be strong and of good courage. And really that word courage, I looked it up one day and I thought that was interesting. It means to be physically and mentally alert, strong, fortified, established. And discouraged means to relax or faint. So, so don't relax or faint. Be strong, be fortified in who you are in Christ. Amen. For to this people, you shall divide an inheritance for to this people. It wasn't just for Joshua, it was for the benefit of the people of God. And if we're going to benefit one another in our homes, in our families, in our workplaces, it's about people, my friend. We can't just go off in Netherland. It's like, I don't want to be around people. It's all about people. It's all about taking the message of Jesus Christ. It's all about being an example. And when we start forgetting that, and we direct it on ourselves of what we need, and what people need to do for us. You know, as pastors, it's a sad day when I have somebody come to me and they tell me uh, my daughter has left the church because people aren't reaching out to her. But at the same time, in my heart, I knew that that girl didn't reach out to other people. And she was, you know, she was giving people problems. And a little bit on the rebellious side. So it's not, out, it's, all, it's not all about what your little darling isn't getting in the church. We've got to teach our children. It's not all about pastors need to pat you on the back and give you everything you need. No, you need to get involved in helps ministry. If you don't like everything the way it is, hey, welcome to the world. Don't teach them to be woke. Don't teach them that when they don't get it their way, they're going to leave. Because if you do that, then in their job place, in their marriages, they're not going to last. Amen? Don't be passive with your children. And I had to tell that parent, I understand what they're saying, and maybe there's some truth to that, but on the other side of it, I didn't see them reach out to people either. So there's another line under that. So I wasn't going to answer that with being passive because they are empowering their children to fail, to teach them. Uh, it's okay not to go to the church because you've been hurt. It's okay not to do this because, you know, I understand if you've been in a church, there have been abuse situations, what have you. I'm not talking about that. And if somebody has been hurt by somebody else in this church and we find out about it, we're going to do something about it. You just have to trust us to do so. Amen. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Amen. That was all free. So in verse 7, only be strong and very courageous. 
that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. And that word prosper means, in the margin of my Bible, have success or act wisely. How many of us get up in the morning and it's like, I want to be successful and I want to act wisely for the Lord today? Not just for myself, but I want to be a blessing to the kingdom of God. I want to act in wisdom. I want to be an example. I want to put spiritual things first and, and affect the kingdom of God. I believe that's your heart. Verse 8, this book of the law. And that's another thing. Parents, if we speak that over our children, rather than tell them what they're not doing, let's tell them what God has put in them and let them know, I believe you're a compassionate person. I believe you're a loving person. I believe you, you know, you're, you're a person of prayer. Yes. <laughs> well, I talk to God, okay. And then just teach them how to even do better. <laughs> I mean... But we don't always have to come across like, bless God, you children need to get it together. You never do anything right. I know you're not talking to the Lord. I, know, I mean, we, we, come, on. come on. You think that's going to help them grow? But if you speak over them kind words of, you know what, there are, there's a treasure inside of you. I know you love God. I know you've seen the things of God. Okay, so we need to grow. I want to challenge you in some areas. I'm going to talk to you about some areas. But let me tell you something. I know your heart is to do good. And he will work in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. If you talk to him like that, then God can complete in them what he saw in them all along. He can complete in them what he, uh, uh, from the foundation of the world, what he put in them, he can complete it. Why? Because you're being a wise parent. Amen. Amen. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. So you've got to meditate on it and you've got to speak it out and let it become one with you. Observe it so that you can do it. Look at it. Meditate upon it. Speak it so that you can do it. Because when you meditate on it, it will start moving and rising that faith when inside of you and understanding uh, a revelation. And then you can start speaking it out in faith. Not just a confession of meditation, but a confession of faith that will move your world around you. Amen. 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 It will move your circumstances. It will bring favor to you. It will bring the prosperity that you need if you're using your faith. But faith must be accompanied with love and with joy. I've said faith must be accompanied with love and with joy. It can't just be speaking the word and no love, no joy. Wrong responses all day long. Can't be that way. Yes. Amen. Amen. Meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. And that word prosperous is just a little bit different. It says push forward and break out. How many of us need to push forward in some things? We need to break out in some things. I want to read something to you. There's a man that I respect over the years we listened to him as a, a young girl and, and we would watch him on TV and that would be Reverend Happy Caldwell, Pastor Happy Caldwell. 
And there's something he wrote about transformed into mighty men. And if it's okay, it's a little long, but I, I want to read this to you. Let me get a drink. You can get one too, if you'd like. Praise the Lord. So I, I found this, and I thought, wow, this is a blessing. So this was an excerpt from Harrison House that they published. It says, King David's men, from distress to triumph. I'm like, oh, well, this sounds good. Triumph is a theme that runs throughout the Bible. One of the most famous examples is the story of David and Goliath. David killed the Philistine giant Goliath with a stone from his slingshot. David's slingshot should uh, not have brought down a heavenly armored giant, but God guided the stone right between the, the giant's eyes and he fell. Now, I wanted to read this word for word because he said some things in here that I'm, I don't want to have to paraphrase, okay? I'm sure I could preach this, but I like the way he said it. So, David then ran toward the giant, took the giant's sword, and cut off his head. We need to cut the head off of some things. Okay, uh, let me stop meddling and finish reading this. David then triumphantly held up the head for everybody to see. With the help of God, David had triumphed over Goliath. Uh, okay, I'm going to have to stop there. All right. Sometimes we've got to cut that head off, and we've got to lift it up, and the main person that needs to see it is the devil. Woo, 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 woo. Mr. Devil, I'm not quitting. I'm not stopping. Your head's been cut off. Woo, woo, woo. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Sometimes we've got to be dramatic to him. All right. We need to learn what triumph really means and apply it to our daily lives. Our triumph in Christ means the devil cannot limit us anymore. How many of you, sometimes you're saying, Lord, I can do better. I can do better. I can do. I want to encourage you. And we were talking about that a little bit on Wednesday night. I understand that mentality. But get out of the mentality of I can do better and get into the mentality of I am doing better. I said, get out of the mentality of constantly saying, Lord, I just want to do better. I want to do better. Just start saying, I am. Then you don't have to convince yourself and everybody else because you'll start doing it. Why? Because it's inside of you. And when you're confessing, I want to do better, you aren't doing better. But when you're confessing, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I am doing better. He is working in me. There's nothing that can stop this mighty moving force. Nothing. No matter how you feel about yourself. No matter how much you want to cry. I used to be a crier. I'm not so much anymore. Because I've had to get past what I can't do and start telling the devil, I'm doing it. And I'm not asking permission for anybody. Well, that was all free. Distressed, discontented, and in debt. We can learn more about triumph by looking into the life of David and his men. When David defeated Goliath, his victory came, uh, gave him great favor with the Israelites. He received the king's daughter for his wife, and he was given a good job working for the king. But, you know, people want that. Okay, now I'm working for the pastor. Everything going to go right. Ooh, really? You're going to have to change that, that face. You have to change that response. Not everything's going to go right. You're still going to have to use your faith. Amen. 
And you know what? Pastor Jay and I, Pastor Nancy's like this. I, I, I love so much. I have to believe in myself. I do not wait for her to come tell me everything I'm doing right and good. I believe that I'm doing right and good. And if she speaks to me correction or anything like that, I just take it and I'm like, okay, Lord, show me how to apply this and and do it in a way that I can be a blessing. But at the same time, uh, Pastor Nancy, she expects me to stir myself up. She's not going to come and and she doesn't necessarily, she probably called me once last Maybe twice, last 20 years. Now, we've texted back and forth, and she's come to ask questions, different things. I'm talking about just call me up out of the blue and said, hey, I've had you in my heart. She's done that a few times, but it is not the norm. Does that mean, oh, she's a bad pastor? No. No, actually, just the opposite. She's empowering me to fail if I'm waiting for her call before I stir myself up. What she does is she teaches me the word to stir myself up, to respond with joy, like I'm doing here today. This is your counseling session. Okay? And then when I speak those things, even if I'm not doing the way I really, I, I, I could do better, I could do better. But if I'm saying, I can do all things through Christ, I am doing better. I, Lord, I thank you. You see, if people aren't doing what we need them to do, and I have to address it or whatever, really, they don't even have to come to me. I can tell if they are continuing to yield to that discouragement, or I can tell that they got past it because they decided I'm going to praise, I'm going to confess, and I'm just going to walk in joy, and I'm just going to do better. And they don't even have to come to me. They just have to believe that I believe in them. They have to not be intimidated by everybody around them like they're not pleasing them. Believe that God first and foremost believes in you and believe that your pastors believe in you and believe that other people believe in you. And if somebody comes in your face and says, you know what, I don't believe in you. It's like, (laughs) I don't believe it. (laughs) It's so strong in me that they may not believe in me, but I don't believe that they don't believe in me. Not going there. Not doing that. Thank you. Come on. And that way, it doesn't affect me. It may so affect good. them, but it's not affecting me. Yeah, that's right. So good. Amen. I'm not talking about being a narcissist. Okay. I'm not talking about that. I can do no wrong. All right. Well, let's see how that works out for you. Okay, David's struggles were not over. The king became jealous of David's success, and he decided to kill David. King Saul's threats caused David to leave and run for his life. David ended up in a cave in the wilderness. You ever feel like that? Maybe some of you feel like you're in a cave right now. Well, anyway, moving right along. Just listen, and we'll find out how to get out of that cave. David, therefore, departed thence and escaped to the cave of Dulam. And when he, uh, his brethren and all his father's house heard it, they went down thither to him. And everyone that was in distress and everyone that was in debt and everyone that was discontented gathered themselves unto him and he became captor over them. So this, this is kind of what happened. He was distressed and then all these other people came and they all started crying together. How do you think that was working out for them? So when you yield to distress, it's affecting other people around you. But when you just 
gird up the loins of your faith, stir up the joy, and decide I am not going to yield to that discouragement. I'm not, you know, there's a time to cry, my friend. There are things, but we've got, we can't stay there. We can't stay there. And one of them, a time to cry is not because you're feeling discouraged, because you can do better. Just start saying what you are in Christ, who you are in Christ. Start speaking that. God's waiting for us to get over ourselves and start speaking his word so that we can walk out his plan on this earth with boldness, with confidence, with joy, with peace. Not with destruction and possessive thinking of doubt and unbelief and discouragement and doubt and intimidation. Try to imagine this picture. David is hiding in a cave. King Saul and his army are chasing him and trying to kill him. David cries out to God to help him. And whom does God send to him? People who are worse off than he is. I'm not speaking that over you, okay? I'm not. not. People who are worse off than he is. People in debt. People in distress. People that are discontented. All the people who were in counseling and therapy went to where David was. But that was not the worst of it. He became captor, captain over them. Yeah. You know what? People are like fish and they have to be cleaned. David was a man after God's own heart. David loved God. David also had great faith. All you have to do is read the many Psalms uh, David wrote to see how much he trusted and loved God. God had a plan for David and these 400 men. Did you know you can love God and still be yielding to discouragement? Uh, See, this is my my side thought. Okay. Transformed into mighty men. Look at what the Bible has to say about David's men after David became the king of Israel. These, by the names of the mighty men whom David had, the the Tachmanite that sat in the seat, chief among the captains, uh, the same was Adino, the Esnite, he left... Adino? Uh, anyway, the Esnite, he, he lifted up his uh, spear against 800 whom he slew at one time. And after him was Eleazar, the son of Dodo. <laughs> I knew that would bless you. And Ahohite, Ahohite, one of the three mighty men with David. When they defiled the Philistines that were with uh, their gathered uh, together battle, and the men of Israel were gone away, he rose and smote the Philistines until his hand was weary, and his hand gave clave to the sword, and the Lord wrought a great victory that day, and the people returned after him only to spoil. What a great transformation. In a few years' time, David's men went from being discontented, depressed, distressed, and indebted to being honored as mighty men. Now, let me, let me mention something in a few years' time. It shouldn't be that we, you know, 10 years later, we're still discouraged and needing help and needing people to stir us up. See, we're trying, we're trying to help people. Don't get in that rut. And if you want to be a leader, well, I don't want to be a leader. If you want to do anything for the body of Christ, if you just want to be a helper, you're going to have to get out of that rut. You will find yourself in the same rut 20 years from now, discouraged, and then leaving church after church after church because the pastor doesn't got it. You know, pastor don't got it anymore. No, it's not about the pastor. It's you got to deal with that discouragement. 
God gives us time to work through things. And, you know, we are going to need, we're going to need to give people in Lee Summit time to work through things as, as a young church. Because this church is over 20 some years old. So they need your prayers and that Christ would be formed in them. And you're understanding that sometimes they're going to need the pastors more. No, you know, we're not leaving. Okay, we've already been through all that. But just understand that. It's just like when you've got a baby and you've got a 12-year-old or a 20-year-old, which one do you need to spend more time with? I'm just saying. We'll just do what God tells us to do, but we have a plan to be here plenty, okay? Because we love you. We love you. We really do. All right. So they overcame the limits of their circumstances and became triumphant and honored men in the service of King David. This passage of the Bible depicts David's men not as weak men with limiting problems, but as mighty men. God helped David establish the nation of Israel as a powerful kingdom. David established the kingdom and left his son Solomon a vast fortune. David ushered in an era that could be called Israel's golden age. David, with God's help, was able to triumph over his enemies and establish a great kingdom which gave glory to God. Amen. Amen. Removing some limits takes time. We're almost through here. David's success did not come at all at once. David struggled for years before, before he was triumphed, uh, before he triumphed over all his enemies. He killed Goliath while he was a teenager, but it was not until he was 30 years old that he became king over all of Israel. It may take years before you triumph over some limits in your life. Let me say this, it doesn't have to. But it may. Some of you have been endeavoring to get over limits for years. When we meditate in the word, when we speak the word, when we answer with joy, when we make some hard adjustments, we can get out of that hard spot. And, and like Pastor Jay said, uh, what, what's that statement he said about velocity? I'm, well, anyway, you can get out. You can push forward and go, uh, break out. Yeah. Amen. So loving God and continuing to serve God faithfully will eventually cause you to try over, triumph yeah. over your limits. Amen. First Peter 1, 5 through 9. So I'm, I'm through reading that, but let me leave you with the scripture. We're going to wrap up here. First Peter 1, 5 through 9. We are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith be much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you love, though now you do not see him yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. In other words, receiving the completeness where God formed you from the beginning, the foundation of the earth, and receiving the completeness of what he's called you to do, what he's called you to walk in. Nobody in this room is either too young or too old to, I mean, if you're a baby, I understand, they may not understand. But nobody is too old to fulfill God's call. Nobody has dealt with limits 
too many years that they can't get out of that limit life. We can be limitless. We can move on. Why don't you stand up? So we wanted to encourage you that you can get beyond the scales of doubt and unbelief and intimidation and the, the clutches of distractions that lead to, that become weights in your life and, and lead to sin, discouragement, these things. You can get beyond that if you will believe in yourself. Believe in the God who is in you is what I mean. And start saying what he's saying about you. Rather than meditating on what you think pastor thinks about you, that you're not adding up or measuring up, start saying, I am measuring up. Believe in yourself. God, I know that you know I can do better. And he's saying, I know that you know that I know that you can just speak the word. He's waiting on us. Enough talking about the problem. Time to praise, time to worship, time to, do, time to do what the Word says. Well, Pastor Debbie, I didn't meditate on the Word an hour today. I know, but you heard it yesterday. Heard it last year. You know the, the seed of the Word is in you. You can do it. Take hold of that tongue and... Don't say that. Don't blow up. Don't respond wrong. Don't yield to discouragement. I just need to do it today, just today. No, you don't because you're going to spiral and spiral and spiral and spiral. We all know if you're having a bad hair day, it's only going to get worse. Unless you do something about it. I get up in the morning and I look in the mirror and never once did my comb jump up and, and comb my hair itself. I'm just saying, never once. Never once did that, you know, that washcloth get up and wash my face for me. I had to get up, comb my hair, take some, you know, mouthwash, wash my face off, take a shower, whatever, stir myself up. Hallelujah. Go conquer the day. Why? Because Christ already conquered it. I'm just walking out what he's already done for me. How he sees me is how I can walk when I'm talking, when I'm meditating on his word, and when I'm not looking at what I can't do, but when I'm saying what I can do through Christ. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Once you try that out and start wearing it, say that after me. I can do all things through Christ. Come on, convince me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen. Amen. He's working in me both to will and to do. Say that with me. He's working in me both to will and to do. He's working in me both to will and to do. Give me a little piano music. Okay, I'm going to leave you with the testimony about you. Amen. The missionaries that just came visit us from France, 
couple of weeks ago, wanted me to call them yesterday. So, and I was having a pretty full schedule, but I, I uh, said, yes, you can call me around this time. And Alexandria was her name. She called. She said, we were just floored. Your, your congregation blessed us. And I think it was over $1,700 that the church blessed them with. And they said, it was just the love that your people showed. And she said, it was a, it, it was a Holy Ghost moving, but it just, it did something to us. It changed us. It, it helped us. It helped us. A little encouragement. You know, people are putting their life on the lines. And just a... Boy, money talks, right? <laughs> it helps us do things for the kingdom of God, doesn't it? And she just said, Pastor Debbie, and I could tell she was just having a heart. Just your congregation blessed us. You blessed us. And I want to say to you that anybody in here, that when you're feeling discouraged, when you're feeling down, when you're feeling out, just understand the word that you have been getting for this last 20-some years is working in you. Amen. And you're being a blessing to the body of Christ. And we have testimonies of people that say they come to this church and they are getting helped and they're getting blessed. And even ministers that come to bless us. I, I, I gave the word. I know I blessed you, but you blessed me. So that's a testimony to your charge, to your count. Thank you. Thank you for being the treasure that you are. Pastor Jay and I love you. And any time you get to a place where you're saying, I can do better, just start saying, I am doing better. Now, you can repent if you missed it. That, that's the word, okay? But just start saying, I am doing better. My friend, there are consequences that when we do things for a long enough time, we may fall out of favor in situations. But the only way you're going to be able to get back with God even though maybe you lost your job, maybe you lost a position, maybe you lost something, but at the same time, he forgives and forgets. Yes. Now you can go tell your CEO or your boss or your pastor or whatever, hey, I'm sorry, I missed it. But God doesn't remember it. Once you get it off of your chest, I'm sorry, Lord, I'm sorry. He's like, okay. And then he just expects us to walk out how he sees us. Can we do that with faith? Sometimes we will lose favor with people because maybe we were ignorant in an area. Okay? But I've done stupid before. I've done ignorant before. God forgave me. He forgives you. Start speaking good things of your life. And at the same time, help other people. Help your bosses. Help your family. Help your pastors. I appreciate that. Help us to be better people by your responses. Help us to stir ourselves up with joy because we're seeing you joyful. Amen.